I'd like to uh, introduce our speaker this morning, uh, Andy uh, Liu. Uh, I've known him ever since I was a kid. He grew up in the church as well with me. He's a number of years younger than me, though you might not be able to tell. Uh, he, uh, he went off into the mission field in East Asia, went to seminary, and this was years ago, and has been working and serving in the mission field. And now he is serving in Singapore, uh, in Singapore at Covenant Evangelical Church, which is a mega church of thousands of people. And he is a pastor there on staff, pastor of missions and discipleship. And he travels frequently to Indonesia and other parts of Southeast Asia. So I've asked him if he would speak on the subject of missions and uh, open the word of God for us this morning. And we are blessed to have him here. Uh, and many of you know him from many, many years ago. He's been such a faithful servant and an encourager in the Lord and his wife and uh, baby are here as well. So we want to welcome them. Let's give them a warm welcome as they come up. Good morning. Pastor Joe, you really should go home and rest. <laughs> you really should go home and rest. If you can't take a break after brain surgery, I don't know how you can do that. <laughs> uh, it's really a privilege to share with you this morning because, again, this, this church, Living Hope Bible Church, sent me um, to Asia 16 years ago when the Seahawks weren't doing very well and when Living Hope Bible Church was still renting a hall um, in an elementary school just a few exits down. But they really took a risk in me and they allowed me to follow my call to serve in missions in Asia. Um, And they sent me to China um, to serve there for three years. And after that, I ended up in Singapore, now as a missions pastor at Covenant Evangelical Free Church. And I'm always thankful for Living Hope for giving me a foundation in the Word of God. um, And and also um, in missions as well. So I'm always grateful for this church and the ministry here. And I count a privilege to see how God has blessed um, Living Hope with their own building after so long as well, and also blessed um, more newcomers here as well. So we're just so excited to be here this morning. So before, I just want to just introduce myself and my family to you. And it's in Singapore that I met my lovely wife. We got married five years ago. And my son is three years old. My daughter is one. And um, one of the favorite things we do in Singapore um, is to take walks with my family. But in Singapore, it's really, really hot. It's always 80, 90 degrees every single day. So our favorite time is when the sun goes down around 6 o'clock, where it's not as hot. And I love to take walks with my family. And one thing I really enjoy is taking walks with my son. And if you you look closely at this photo, you realize that my son is walking like me with that hunched shoulder, you know? And I was wondering, where did he get that from? You know, the same pace and things like that. And it caused me to reflect that the more time my son spends with me, he become like me because I'm influencing him as well. And I was thinking, as he grows up older and older, will, will he become more and more like me? And hopefully he will catch the good things about me, but he'll probably catch the negative things about me as well. And I just thought this picture spiritually as well. Who are we walking with? Who are we becoming more like? You know, and, and because we are a spiritual community, I hope we're walking with Jesus and becoming more and more like him every day. Because in society, we're so busy. I think sometimes we neglect walking with Jesus and we end up becoming more like the world than of Christ. 
So today, I just want to share a reminder to all of us to how can we maintain our walk with Jesus and to become like him, just like my son is becoming like me. So I want to point us back to scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 and 25. You could turn to that, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 25. And today I'll be preaching on walking into missions. And as we look at this familiar passage of Jesus walking with disciples, he's going to teach us He's going to teach us a few things of how we can maintain our walk with Jesus, how we can, what we can hold on to. And the first thing this passage teaches us is we must remember in walking with Jesus that he's, Jesus is always meeting us. Jesus is always walking with us. And the second thing is Jesus ultimately is sending us. So let's just pray before we examine God's word today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that your spirit will open our eyes and touch our hearts with your holy word today. We pray, Lord, that you will teach us to apply your word in our lives today, to walk closely with you so that we become more like you. And in Jesus' precious name, amen. So Luke 24, um, verse 13, I'm not going to read the entire passage, but I believe it's a familiar story to most of you. The passage begins with the story of these two disciples at the side of the road. And it says in verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Okay, so again, the story begins with two disciples walking along a road. And again, the context of this, this is, this is after Jesus had been crucified, had been crucified, and these two disciples were just walking along the side of the road. So scholars don't exactly know where Emmaus is. It's some small village. It's not a popular place. They don't really know where it is. And these two disciples are not even really named in this passage, right? So I think it's quite interesting that Luke starts this chapter on a desolate road with two disciples you don't know, and Jesus appears to them. So think about the context. Jesus has just risen from the dead. If I was Jesus and I wanted to appear to someone, I would have go to downtown Bellevue you know, and have a big parade and say, I'm here. But here Jesus is meeting um, two people, unknown people in an unknown place. It's like going to Maple Valley and meeting Jesus there. And why would Jesus waste his post-resurrection time with unknown people in an unknown place? Have you thought about that? Why would Jesus do that? It's not accidental. But it tells you something about Jesus and walking with us. It's Jesus is the kind of Savior who meets us where we are at. Jesus meets us in ordinary, everyday life. And that's the first thing we must capture from this passage, is that Jesus wants to be with us in everyday life. Sometimes we always think that we have to go to church to meet Jesus, or we have to be a pastor to be close to Jesus. But Jesus is saying this passage, he comes to us when we're very sad. 24-7, after a very tough day in the office, you're driving home, you're really discouraged, Jesus is there. When a friend disappoints us or our children disappoint us, Jesus is there in our homes Monday to Friday, reminding us in the background that I am here wanting to minister to us. And one of the things Satan loves to do is to think that Jesus doesn't care, that Jesus does not care about our small little insignificant problems. But this beginning verse tells us that Jesus does care, and he meets us in ordinary life, everyday life. 
But this passage is not just focused on ordinary. Jesus also meets us in, what will I say, not ordinary situations, but extraordinary situations. If you look at verse 31, after you know the whole story, Jesus follows these two guys. They have dinner together, and they're breaking bread. And in verse 31, verse Verse 30, verse, no, verse 31, when he was eating the bread with them, it says their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And then later on in verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them. So in this whole episode of Jesus walking with disciples, he just went poof and like disappeared in front of the disciples. And then later on, he reappeared. So why would Jesus want to scare his disciples to death like David Copperfield? (laughs) Because Jesus was kind of sneaking up behind them and appeared. Why would Jesus do that? And what does it talk about Jesus' character? And like I said, Jesus meets us in ordinary life. There are times in life that Jesus meets us in the extraordinary. There are times in life that Jesus needs to show us he's a supernatural God. When we're discouraged, sometimes Jesus knows that we need to be shocked into belief. So one thing to keep us walking slowly with Je- walking closely with Jesus is to know that Jesus does not meet, meet us only in ordinary circumstances, but he meets us in extraordinary, supernatural ways. But I'm not saying here that we're supposed to look for signs and wonder, that we're just, our faith is um, foundational upon miracles and supernatural signs and wonders. But as Christians, we need to wear that Jesus does work supernaturally to remind us that he is with us, to remind us to be close to him. Just recently, last year, in the Philippines, there was a huge typhoon. They call this Super Typhoon typhoon, um, Yolanda. And this is the biggest typhoon ever on record in the Philippines. And the, the wind was up to 186 miles per hour. That's really fast. And there was extreme devastation. So last December, I went there to survey the land, and I met a pastor um, living in Cebu, um, near central Philippines, and he just shared how that night the winds was howling, and it sounded like death, and his, all his family was in their house, just huddled in their house, and they just, the children were so, they were crying, and they were just praying, and the father was just telling children, just pray to God that he will save us, that the house will not be blown away. You see all these houses got blown away, and they just prayed and prayed and prayed. And through all of this, when the storm was over, God performed a miracle. Around this pastor's house, all the other houses were blown away, but somehow, through the supernatural God, this house and the pillars remain firm. This is not an accident. This is God showing this family that I am with you. Continue to walk with me. Continue to be faithful. So Jesus Christ is willing to work in the supernatural to keep our walk with him very sure and very stable as well. But Jesus does not only meet us in the ordinary or the supernatural, But the most important thing in this passage to keep us walking with Jesus is we find it in verse 27 and verse 32. Look at verse 27. It says, Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
In verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, when he opened to us the scriptures? In this walk with Jesus in Emmaus, the focus of the, past, the passage is not um, the walking. The, passage is, the, the focus of the passage is not the magician act. The focus of the pastors is that it was the scriptures. Jesus was reminding them how important the scriptures is in meeting with Jesus. Jesus ultimately calls us to meet with him in the word of God. And that's one of the strongest ways we can maintain our close walk with Jesus. It's to make sure we stay in the word of God and meet Jesus in the word of God. And in verse 20, 32, it says, Did not our hearts burn within us? Burn within us. The Greek word for burn is literally the same word for the lake of fire in hell. That's how hot this burn is. It's hotter than a Dixie's barbecue in Bellevue where the man serves that barbecue sauce. It's really hot. It's hotter than that. Okay? It's as hot as a burning fire. And when I hear this passage that when Jesus talked with them with the scriptures, there was a burning sensation in the heart. And I was wondering, how in the world could these disciples read the scriptures and their hearts were burning with excitement? How did that happen? Well, look again at verse 13. How long did Jesus walk with the disciples? One mile? Two mile? Seven miles. Seven miles. So imagine Jesus was walking with the disciples for seven miles. That's around two hours. So basically, they were studying the Bible with Jesus for two whole hours. No wonder their hearts were burning up because they were deep in the word of God. And the principle here is the longer you're in the Word of God, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to open up, the more excited you become about the Word of God. But in our society today, I believe many of us don't experience this burning feeling when we read scriptures. And I wonder why. What has happened to our spiritual lives? And I think it has to do with our instant society. We want things in five minutes. We have text messaging. In Singapore, everyone has a smartphone. And it seems like at church, less and less people are bringing their Bibles to church. In our church, we have a phenomenon that's not too healthy. They bring not their Bibles to church. They bring their smartphones. And they read the text on the smartphones. But you think about it. How long really can you look at that screen and read the Bible? <laughs> Maybe five minutes, your eyes get tired. So I think our, our generation, our society, is just reading Scripture less and less and less. Perhaps five minutes a day. Maybe a service on the Sunday, maybe in Bible study for a couple minutes um, a week. Is that really enough to start a fire burning in scriptures? I'm so thankful that this church really puts an emphasis on the Word of God and encourages all of us to walk closely with the Word of God and to keep it in our hearts because that is what is going to keep us close to Jesus Christ in difficult times. And in all my mission travels, not only in Singapore, I have seen every generation has less and less love for the Word of God. And we must recapture that love of God in our churches and in our spiritual life. And today, I really believe the love of the Word of God begins at home. I believe the love for the Word of God begins at home. 
And early this year, because of my traveling schedule, I travel once a month for four or five days and I have really young kids. So see, my whole life is either going to the airport <laughs> or staying at home, playing with kids. And I noticed that me and my wife, it just became disconnected. You know, sometimes when you're married, you just become disconnected. You're, it seems like my wife was doing her own thing and I was doing her own thing. And the Lord led us to, you know, let's meet together. We have busy lives, but let's meet together once a week, Monday night, and just pray together and reflect on God's word together. So I said, what do you think you mean? And she says, great. So we set aside Monday night. I logged it into my calendar. Monday night was my prayer meeting with my wife. And the first day, we were so excited. We opened up our journals. And we said, let's just pray what God's been teaching us in the word of God. And it was so awkward. <laughs> it was like so, it felt so cold. It felt so forced. Because we're so used to reading the scripture at church. or in a story. We weren't used to engaging as a couple in our home. So after the first week, we said, this isn't working. Let's not do this again. But we realized maybe we should just stick at it. So the next Monday, we did it again. We just said, let's pray together and let's share what God has been teaching us in the Word of God and our devotions. And it seemed a little easier. And it seemed a little more exciting. And we did this week after week after week. And you guess what happened? Is what this passage said. We found, we found the Word of God exciting. We found that we're learning so much from each other about the word of God. And we found ourselves having a, not so burning hot, but we found ourselves excited about meeting together to discover the word of God. And we're now even memorizing scripture. Can you believe that once a week we're memorizing scripture together because our church is going through 1 John, so we're memorizing one scripture a month. And at first it was very awkward, but I believe that it has brought us closer together as a couple, and I think ultimately it's brought us closer together to the Lord. And I believe our children are trying to, are slowly capturing the importance of the word of God together. So I encourage us that really for us who have children or are married, you know, the, the love of word of God begins at home. Anchor in it together as a family each week. So as we go on with the story, we find out that Jesus met the disciples in an ordinary situation. He, he, then he met them in poof, in a supernatural way. And he met them in the scriptures. And for many of us, the story could end there. To maintain our walk with Christ, we study the word each day, we pray each day, we, we ask God for to help us in our problems. If we ended the passage right there, we will miss the whole point of this passage. Because Jesus walked with the disciples, not just to give them a miracle, not just to give them a love for the word of God, but ultimately, Jesus had a purpose for this walk. And he said, this walk is so you can be a witness. You can be sent out to tell people about me. Let's look at verse 46 together. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. I'm going to take a pause here. When Jesus was saying this to his disciples, just imagine, Jesus, all the, all the disciples have just heard that Jesus is resurrection. They believed him because he did that magician trick. And right when Jesus has said, I have died and now I'm risen again, the disciples are thinking, what is Jesus going to say next? What is Jesus' next step? They're probably thinking, now after Jesus has spoken to us, the next thing he might do is, now Jesus is going to build up an army, go to the central of Jerusalem, and then take over the Roman government. And we'll do that. 
Or maybe other disciples were thinking, hey, Jesus is going now to go to the Pharisees, go to the temple, and prove that they were wrong and he was right. And he'll make a big public speech and thousands and thousands of people will come to know Christ. That's probably what they're thinking. You know where I got that from? Because in verse 21, if you go just before then, verse 21, you hear, you hear the mentality of the disciples. They hoped Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. They hope that Jesus is the one to redeem Israel. So when Jesus was talking, they were thinking, Jesus has come back for the dead for me. He has come back for the Jewish people to no longer be oppressed by the Roman people. That's their whole mentality was that Jesus came back from the dead. Jesus did all these things for me. But when you go to verse 47, you see how radically different Jesus' thinking was. And verse 47, he says, And that repentance and forgiveness sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. And here's the most part that disciples probably were so shocked. You are my witnesses of these things. So what Jesus is saying is that I have been with you all this time. I resurrected from the dead all this time so that you can be my witnesses. So that you can proclaim the good news starting in Jerusalem and all of the world. That is what Jesus was telling his disciples. That I did all these miracles. I did all these things for one purpose only. So that people can hear about me. And you are going to be the ones to tell them. So I walked with you for three years. I invested for you for three years. So you can be a witness for me. And Jesus' disciples, this truth is fundamental in our spiritual walk. That we become Christians so we can be a witness for Jesus Christ. God, when we hear, when God blesses us with anything, when we hear a good sermon, is so we can be a witness. When God blesses our children with good grades in school, is so that we can take that blessing and bless others. Jesus is saying here, I have blessed you for three years, I have come alive again, so you can be a blessing to others. But the disciples could not get around that. They thought that Jesus died for them, for their own benefit, to make their life better. But Jesus is saying, no, I came not so for you to be a recipient of the gospel, but for you to be a messenger of the gospel. Being a witness is the end goal of walking with Jesus. When we walk with Jesus, the end goal has to be us sharing our life so someone else can become a Christian. That really is the end goal of Christianity. And when we don't cross that bridge from being a blessing to witness, we short-circuit our discipleship. And if I may be so frank, when we're not sharing the gospel with our friends, we become consumers of the gospel instead of witnesses of the gospel. We become receiving. We receive the miracles. We ask God to answer our prayer. We receive, receive, receive. But we never give it out and show other people how great God is. We are never too young or never too old to be a witness for Christ. And I just want to share a few stories that so encouraged me in Southeast Asia. In, when I went to Indonesia, I met a young girl. 
Her name was Sarah. Some of you may have heard this before. Um, she's only 18 years old, and she's captured this vision that everything in life that she has received is for a blessing. And she's 18 years old. I met her. Um, she was. Um, I met her in the slums. Okay, in the slum ministry that one of our churches is doing in Indonesia. There's a slum ministry that reaching out to slum children, and every week they do like an English corner. They do a, um, a Bible study with them. As well, and this girl Sarah was there helping that day. And I was like, "Oh, what are you doing here today? Are you here to help out with the children?" She says, "No, I'm here to celebrate my birthday." <laughs> and I said, well, "Hello?" <laughs> I said, "You're here in the slums celebrating your birthday." And I said, "What do you mean?" And she says, "I wanted. I realized God has really blessed me with so many things, and I want to use my my birthday to bless these slum kids." And I said, "How do you do that?" <laughs> she says, "I brought my cake." To the slums. So this next picture is what she did. She brought her birthday cake. She brought 60 boxes of KFC chicken. And she, oh, you can't see it anymore. <laughs> she brought a, a box and she brought her family. She brought all her high school friends. And they had a birthday party in the, min- in the middle of the slums. And before the birthday candles were blown out, she stood up in front of those children. And she says, I'm here today because when I was your age, I lived in the slums. And I was, my life was hopeless and helpless. But somehow, God helped our family through Jesus Christ, and they blessed us. And he, and he brought us out of the slums. So I know that God has blessed me to one day bless you again. So she blessed the children. She gave a testimony not to give up hope and to know that there's a God who loves them. And Sarah is a wonderful example of how she knows that everything that happened in her life is so she can be a witness to others. Another lady is um, not so young. She's um, Auntie Popo. She's like 80 years old. And she accepted the Lord very late in life, around 75 years old. And, she, and she's in our, um, we have a Chinese congregation, a Mandarin-speaking congregation, and she joined it. And during the congregation, there's an advertisement in the, our congregation to go on a mission trip to um, Indonesia, and she wanted to go. And people said, you're way too old to go. <laughs> you know, she's way older than even Dawn. Okay? So um, she's like 80 plus. Okay, so she went, and, and, she, and she brought five of her friends along. So they're all 80 plus. So on the average, this is the oldest average age of this mission trip is like you know, 400. You know, they're really old okay, when you add them up. And she went, and she went on a boat ride, and she went and she was singing songs at the, at the mission place. And she gave her testimony of how God met her in her old age. And again, she realized, even though she was getting older, she realized God had blessed her. God had touched her life so she ultimately can be a witness to others. And I think that just is an encouragement to most of us. And I'm so encouraged that this church, Living Hope Bible Church, is already doing that. You have so many members that went just last month to Philippines. Again, you could have did something else with your summer break, but you chose, why do you keep walking here and blocking this area? Um, you chose to take your vacation and go to the Philippines. You, know, you could have spent your summer vacation um, you know, enjoying your family life, doing lots of summer activity, but you chose to dedicate money, 10 days of, of holiday, to go and to do slum ministry. And you do that not, not, not because it makes sense. It's because you know that God has blessed you so much. And you just want to give a little bit back 
to the Lord in terms of being a witness for Christ. So I encourage more and more people to get involved with missions. And I'm so excited when I go to the, the, the bulletin board, how many missionaries you're supporting, how many missionaries you're, you're, you're praying for. But my prayer for this church ever since its inception that one day you will send out missionaries that are members of Living Hope Church. Amen to that? That one day you have members and families from this church going to the mission field. So we all can be a witness for Christ. Mission trips are great, but again, Jesus is looking to send some of you to the mission field one day. But like me, when God sent me to the mission field, the greatest reason, the greatest tension for me, even today, is to go into the mission field. Like just a few weeks ago, they were telling us, me and my wife, one day we may send you to Indonesia to do mission work beyond Singapore. And at that moment, me and my wife went, huh? <laughs> Are we already in the mission field? And at that moment, my reaction was like, I said, why did I react that way? And I realized I had the same mentality of those disciples. I had become really comfortable in Singapore. We have a house now. There's a picture of our house next door. Um, there's a picture of our house, and we got it at a really good price because the property market was going up, 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 and then we got it for like almost two-thirds the market value. And we settled our stuff. And you know you want to get a house. You want to fill it, fill it up with nice things, right? And I became obsessed with, um, I love to cook. So I became obsessed with slow cookers and waffle makers. And I think I spent way too much time researching for the very best waffle maker. My wife was saying, don't be obsessed. But I couldn't help myself. I was so absorbed in it. And I researched like online for the best one, comparing different models and nonstick things. And I finally found one. I actually ordered it from Amazon.com and had it sent to Singapore. That's how bad it got. And then when it came to our house, this is the one right here. And when I plugged it in, and I got a converter to convert the voltage because it's different. And I, when I plugged it in and I was making waffles, it started to smoke. <laughs> I said, what is that smell? And I said, it's burning plastic. And at that moment, God really convicted me with, with the verse. And it's like, do not lay, lay up things on earth where they can rust and burn. <laughs> but lay up treasures in heaven. And at that moment, I just looked at the waffle maker. And I said, what have I become? And I'm supposed to be a missions pastor. Can you believe it? I'm, I'm obsessed with the things of the world. And that day, God really convicted me. Saying, Andy, are you walking with me? Are you walking with the world? Or are you walking with me? And that day I really repented. I said, I'm sorry for this waffle maker. And I I returned it. Amazon has a really good return policy. And then I said, God, help me to to live like a true disciple who is being a blessing. So part of the prayer meeting me and my wife had was that we hope this year that God will help us lead someone personally to Jesus Christ. You know, just to experience leading someone to Christ and doing like a follow-up Bible study with them. And then we didn't know who it was going to be. We just prayed by faith. Just help us to be a witness somehow and somewhere. And then just um, by divine appointment on the, on the subway, um, Yumin met an old friend that she used to work with. And his name was Thomas. There's a picture of Thomas. And then um, to- um, as you're talking, she invited Thomas to, to come to our church. Um, she said, oh, my husband is, is preaching this Sunday when you come. And Thomas came to our church, and um, he heard um, the gospel that day, but he didn't accept the gospel. So my wife said, Andy, why don't you spend some more time with you? Because you're a guy, I'm, I'm a lady, it's not so appropriate. And I just said, at first I said, I'm really busy. I'm traveling, I'm making waffles, I'm doing all these things. And, 
But then again, I just realized, you know, what am I doing? So I said, let's invite Thomas to our place. And he had dinner in our home. And again, and we just began just getting to know him, getting to know his life and investing in him. And he came to our Easter service. And then um, he wasn't ready to receive Christ. But then a few, um, I think a few months ago, um, Thomas texted me a message. And he said, Andy, I've decided to accept Jesus Lord as my Savior. He, he met me, and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And it was such a blessing. And I said, let's, let's meet together for the Navigator's Bible study. So he came to our house. On the next slide, he came to our house, and I brought another member from our church just to learn, named Daniel. And we just studied the scriptures together. And what I saw in Thomas's was what the disciples were experiencing. His heart was burning with scripture. He said, before the Bible study, what should I do? Where should I begin with the word of God? I said, uh, why don't you start at the very beginning? Why don't you start reading in Genesis, just the first couple of chapters? Because after that, you might get confused. Okay, and after that, you read the book of um, Matthew just to read. But before, and I said, he said, sure, but before this Bible study, he had already read the whole book of Genesis. He read all the gospels. And he came so ready to study the word of God. And it really, he really put me to shame. And as we examined the scriptures, he was like, what does it mean in Ephesians to say that salvation is a gift of God, not by works? And it's just reminded how great God is. It reminded how great the word of God is. And it's such a privilege that God gave me and my wife, just helped us through the life of Thomas to refocus our lives, to think that we're, we shouldn't be laying our treasures on earth, but laying treasures in heaven. So Jesus is really really about pointing us back and sending us into the field to be a witness for him. And Jesus is telling us today, being a witness, being into missions is not optional in our walk with Jesus. When, Je- when we walk with Jesus, it ultimately lead to sharing our faith with others, starting in our own Jerusalem, but ultimately going to the nations. But sometimes we think, You know, going, witnessing is scary. Going on a mission trip, there's so many unknowns. But the last thing that Jesus reminds us in, in verse 50, is that the last image that Jesus did in his disciples, that he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. This is, the I find, the most strange way to end this story. First, Jesus sneaks up on his disciples and says, hello, and then he does a magician trip, and then he opens up the scripture, and he ends this whole episode by putting their hands on the disciples and blessing them, and then going up into the sky, not poofing away, but really just flying away into the sky. And I always wonder, why in the world would Jesus end this whole episode by being like Superman and going into the sky? And again, Jesus is intentional. And Jesus was saying, you know, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to help you while you're witnessing. And to give them the picture that they're worshiping not just a man, but they're worshiping an almighty God. And that one day, Jesus will bring us also into heaven along with the people we witness to. So Jesus is really calling us to stay close to him in everyday life, in scriptures, in signs and supernatural acts. But ultimately, we stay closest to Jesus Christ. We experience what Jesus is all about when we take that step of faith to share and be a witness with others. And my question for us, church, today is, 
Are you walking closely with Jesus today? Who are you walking with? Because Jesus wants 100% of our hearts. He wants, he wants us to walk with him, not with just a light hand, but with a firm grip to say, I am with you, Jesus, to the end of time. And I want to end um, my sermon with just a wonderful sister I met in Singapore who really is an example of walking with Jesus with her whole heart, having a single focus of what Jesus is all about. And her name is Being. And Being is a lady I, I really had the opportunity to meet. She's uh, 50 plus years old. And, and Being's life was dedicated to walking with Jesus and being a witness to her. And even, since her young days in college and university, she served international students on campus. And later on, she became a full-time worker for Internet Varsity Fellowship. Later on, she served in OM, and she served on that boat that goes around the world, on the Dulas boat as well. And later, she went to Vietnam as a missionary. But when she retired from the field, she came back to Singapore, and she was in charge of um, missionary care for Pioneers Ministry. And all these years, she, she lived very simply because she wanted to give all her things to the Lord. But then um, four years, uh, I think five years ago, she was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And they, through the diagnosis, they had to remove one of her kidneys. Um, and after removing the kidney, the, the cancer went into remission. And after that, you would think she would just relax and lay low. But she said, no. I'm a Christian, and Jesus has called me to continue to witness for him. So she continued um, to serve the Lord. And last year, we had an open position in our church because our, one of the goals of Covenant Evangelical Free Church is that we're, we're hoping to send 10% of our members into missions. Just how we give. We already give 10% of our money to missions, but we want to give our people. So because we're going to send a lot of missionaries to the field, we wanted someone who has experience with membership care. So she came on with staff as a consultant. And she really served along with us. She went on mission trips and things like that. But then last year, um, she went to the doctor, and she found she had a relapse of her, of her cancer. And they found out that the cancer had spread from, her, from kidney um, to lungs. And for those who are in the medical field, once the kidney cancer goes to your lung, there is no, you can't do anything. You can't do chemo. You can't do surgery. And the doctor said she may have maybe half a year um, to live. And I thought, she would, I thought she would quit, you know, but she said, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to continue um, to serve God. And I remember she told me when she got the news that the, her cancer had relapsed. When she was walking out of the doctor's office, she was alone because she, it was just routine check. But she was walking alone, and for a moment, one moment she doubted. She said, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, I have given so much to you. Why is this happening to me? But after that, for some reason, all the doubt got washed away. And she says, she just said, God, you've always been faithful to me. You've always loved me. You've always blessed me. And she said, you will not let me down. So she stayed with us on staff, and she continued to work for the Lord. She went on a mission trip with us as well. And she never complained as she began getting less strength in her legs. Um, she, and you can tell that she was just slowly physically deteriorating. And then this June, um, being passed away. And I visited her in the hospital, but she was the happiest person in the hospital. You know, she just, she has such a rested heart that she knew where she was going and that she had lived her life to the fullest. 
And then when she passed away, she wrote her own, uh, uh, she wrote her own obituary to be published in the local newspaper. And she said this in her, her own words. If you can have the slide, please. It says, I lived with cancer for the past four years and had one kidney removed. And even as the cancer spread to my lungs, liver, and then to the brain, this remains my testimony, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the truth that I believe with all my heart and choose to live out day by day. My heartful gratitude to my family, members, and friends. Church, let's live wholeheartedly and walk with Jesus to be a witness for him to the nations. Let's pray. And with our eyes closed, with our heads down, I always believe when the word of God is preached, there always should be a response back to God. And today I'm just going to lead us in a simple response to what God's word has shared to of us. And God's simple message to us is this. I have blessed you. I have given you so many things. And the question Jesus is asking us today and his disciple is, Will you be my witness? Will you be my witness in Issaquah, in your workplace, and in missions? He simply wants that commitment. Will you be my witness? Will you not get up caught up with the things of the world, but keep your eyes and walking with me closely? And that is a simple call God is making to us today. And with your eyes closed, I'm going to ask us, if, you, if that is you, you feel God is touching your heart and say, yes, I want to be a witness. I haven't been walking so closely with Jesus, but I want to be a witness. Help me to be a witness for Christ in my everyday life or even the mission field. If that is your response today, I'm going to ask you just quietly, just raise your right hand just before the Lord. Just before the Lord. No one looking around. Just say, Lord, help me to be a witness, to make your name known to people around me and to people in the nation. Just raise your right hand quietly, just between you and the Lord. That's just a quiet commitment before him. Any more hands? You feel that God is asking you to make that simple commitment. Will you, will I be a witness for you where I am? Thank you. Let's all close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that your word is timeless, that your word for the disciples on that road was to be your witness. And today that message is the same for us, for those who have come to this service today, that to help us to be a witness, to bless others with the blessing you have been with us, Lord. And although it is scary to be a witness, although many of us don't know how to do it, you have said in your word that, lo, I am with you always to the very end of age. And we hope the day where we will see our family and friends in heaven with us, worshiping with you for all eternity. And in Jesus' precious name, amen.